Fake, fake, fakeity fake. Hi, I'm Jody. And I'm Vienno. And welcome to Imperial News, where I spend my whole week listening to the far-right podcast Rebel News and talk about how Dr. Fauci is working with China to destroy the world with my friend Vienno. All right. How are you? Sure. <laughs> how are you, Vienno? I'm okay. Still, you know, not wonderful. It's been a rough little bit, but starting to do better, at least. How are you? I'm uh, tired, really tired. I've been trying my best to get in shape. I've put on a lot of weight since the beginning of the pandemic, and I figured it's about time that I uh, lose some of it. Uh, just uh, not because there's like some sort of like like necessary threshold. It's just I'm finding myself to be like short-winded and wanting to play with the kids without feeling like I'm dying inside. So uh, should uh, get to do that. But it, it, the effect of, of doing that, going through the work, is now I am super tired when it comes to things like doing the Twitch streams or recording. So <laughs> hopefully I'll, I'll cross over this like bump and uh, then be able to, to do both and not feel tired. Yeah, exercise good. We like moving and existing in the world. Indeed. I guess reflecting on it, I, I'm sure this plays part of it, but like uh, our audience might be wondering because this will be the first time we've recorded since uh, what happened in London, Ontario. And just I guess the, the, the basics of it is uh, an individual murdered a family in our city because they were Muslim. And we decided to take a break because of that, uh, a short break, obviously, but, uh, I just wanted to fill the audience in, in case you don't have Twitter and didn't catch that part of it for why we took a bit of a break. That being said, we're not going to discuss much about that on this show because Ezra brought it up the week after this week's episode. So we will discuss it on next week's episode. Well, or well, next episode. Saying next week, I hopefully we'll get it out a bit faster uh, because technically it was last week's episode. <laughs> We're a bit delayed, is what I'm saying. Yeah. But we will catch up. I just wanted to flag that now in case, as I said, you don't have Twitter. But we will discuss it. Uh, sadly, have to discuss it in next week's episode. But uh, thank you for the patience, anyways, for... Uh, allowing us to take a bit of space not not that we asked your permission but <laughs> i'm sure uh you you respect that anyways so thank you and uh i guess in in uh continuing our appreciation for others how about uh you shout out our patrons Vienna? <laughs> sure we would like to thank richard durka darren sarah ryan and tim you are the laurentian elite of the Imperial News Podcast. You're talking about the Laurentian elites? Folding from Laurentian elites. Canada's Laurentian elite. We would also like to thank Mo, Nicholas, and Michael, our foreign-funded environmentalists. What's your message to world leaders today? Uh, my message is that we'll be watching you. How dare you! Lastly, we would like to thank our ultimate patrons, Nate and Ken, for being less annoying than Joel Pollock's cell phone. And had to basically start from scratch.
start from scratch. And that's crazy. We start from scratch. Testosterone flowing. We start from scratch. And that's crazy, crazy, crazy. Homeless people in LA have smartphones. Thank you all so much for your support. You can donate to us at patreon.com slash imperial news. Now... <laughs> now the imperial roundup. Hello, my rebels. Hello, my rebels. I'm a good boy. I'm a weirdo. This is what happened on the Rebel from May 31st to June 4th. Ezra claims their new book, Unsporting, is an Amazon bestseller in Canada, but that there exists a campaign to ban the book. Hello, my friends. I've got an interesting story for you. As you know, on Friday, we published our latest book by Coach Linda Blade and Barbara Kay called Unsporting. It's about transgenderism in sports. And the book went to number one on Friday. Well, I looked at some of the reaction to it online, including by the media party. I'm going to take you through, I don't know, about half a dozen really revealing tweets. Evidence for this book banning campaign is somewhat convoluted. Ezra argues that some leftists actually like the book, citing a tweet by a TERF group, TERF is Trans Exclusionary Radical Feminists, called LGB Alliance. Notice they left the T off of LGBT. The evidence... That there is a campaign to ban the book is that a reporter responded to the LGB tweet in support of the book by asking if these supposed leftists are aware the book was produced by far-right Rebel News. Ezra says that the book being associated with Rebel News is not an argument for why the book is wrong or bad. Imagine because I was near it. That's a reason to blacklist it. That's the implication here. You're supposed to be bothered by the fact that we published it. Forget about what the book says. I mean, Omar Mulem obviously hadn't read the book by then. It just came out. I don't think he plans to. He just knew he was against it. Don't bother him with the facts. Talk about judging a book by its cover. But let's be honest. Our entire podcast supports the argument why being associated with Rebel is wrong and bad. Ezra then spends the rest of the segment responding to the LGB Alliance Twitter thread, as if this amounts to a censorship campaign when it is merely a Twitter thread. Almost as if the right will claim censorship when none exists in order to get that white fragility money. Avi Yamini, convicted wife-beater, former IDF soldier, and Rebel News employee, is visited by Australian police at his home. Ezra and Avi frame this as the police targeting them for being journalists. As is always the case, the police are ticketing Avi for not wearing a government-mandated mask during a global pandemic, not for his reporting. Although, having the police show up to Avi's house while he throws a temper tantrum is the rebel news formula for driving clicks and views, so we don't expect this boring spectacle to end anytime soon. Ezra talks with Drea Humphrey about a legal victory in a BC court. It isn't really clear what the victory is beyond that the judge ruled that there should be more transparency surrounding a publication ban in a court case involving a father trying to legally prevent their transgender teenager from receiving gender affirmation hormone treatments. What is never brought up by Drea or Ezra is that the dad is spending six months in jail for violating the publication ban by revealing their child's sensitive personal and medical information to the media. For Rebel News... 
This is a person who is worth helping and defending. Ezra asks Mark Morano if Florida Governor Ron DeSantis would be a good Republican candidate for president. Ezra has been promoting DeSantis for weeks now, as he refuses to implement COVID restrictions, has passed draconian anti-protest laws, and most recently passed restrictive voting laws. Morano agrees with Ezra that he would be good, but claims he is too polished. I'm glad that that governor is just doing better all the time. Hey, give me 30 seconds on that. Um, I mean, listen, you follow these things more closely than I do. You are an American. Um, all right, do you like the looks of DeSantis for a possible 2024 candidacy? You're asking me questions. These are good questions. I like DeSantis's views and policies. Originally, he was a little weak on COVID, or, but then he immediately recovered and became the leader, I, I think. However, he does have, you know, in terms of running for president, he comes off to me a little bit too slick as a politician, a little bit too telegraphed. And that is the week. This week's going to feel a little bit uh, scattershod, I guess. Like with uh, <laughs> with the only sort of like thread holding it all together is a focus on the pandemic. Again, we're recording this a bit late, but when this week had aired, what was in the news a lot was the Fauci emails and this COVID lab hypothesis getting a new like lab leak hypothesis, getting a new like breath of air. like people started reporting on it again, right? So this was in the news uh, that week. And so we're going to cover just sort of like the new sort of take on COVID that Ezra has. Well, it's not really new, but like sort of like new points that he's hitting, but also covering some of the old points just to go over sort of how he continues to misinform his audience about the nature of COVID-19. And that's pretty much what we're going to do this week. Woohoo. Love to cover more anti-lockdown stuff. I mean, the one benefit is I feel like we're approaching, at least to some degree, the end of this pandemic, and it would it's going to be so nice when we don't have to talk about it anymore on this fucking show. Because <laughs> there's a degree in which I, I feel like we've said almost all that we need to say, but uh, Ezra is going to continue to just like smash these points into his audience's brain, you know? I kind of wonder how... The, like people who frame their whole existence around being against lockdowns currently are going to like shift post pandemic or post you know the major lockdowns at least in canada you know it's kind of like the QAnon shit where like they keep fracturing and splintering and then reforming into something new and weirder and then coming and then like breaking apart again and reforming and like this sort of endless cycle of weird conspiratorial thinking what's the next conspiracy you know are they going to pick up on the ufo stuff finally like <laughs> the ufo stuff is always in the background but in this case i'm not sure i'm not sure how it's going to morph i mean it, it comes to a head when you think about like once the lockdowns and other restrictions start being like gradually uh reduced they're going to have to be like, we've been preaching this idea that there's going to be forever lockdowns. So I think one strategy they could adopt is just to say that there's always going to be a potential lockdown in the future, even though it won't come until like the next pandemic or whatever. But they'll constantly like be talking about like the next conspiracy is going to be the even bigger lockdown that's coming is, is what I think they're going to sort of move towards. See, I hope they coalesce around that 
Queen of Canada lady, and we get some weird monarchist stuff going on. I hope they fight the regular monarchists. Oh my god. <laughs> Who's this queen of... What is this? The one who's sending the, the cease and desist letters. I feel like I... Uh, with the people I surround myself with online, I feel like I've come into contact with this, but just like rolled my eyes at it and didn't like go... In <laughs> oh. Didn't, didn't look any further. Yeah, Romana Dedulo. She claims to be queen of the Republic of Canada and that um, Queen Elizabeth II was killed uh and the u.s military is actually in charge south of the border and is supporting her in her like attempts to become like or to fully realize her already existing role as um head of the government of canada yeah let's have like a queen duel this will be awesome like God, can you imagine if Queen Elizabeth dies and, like, then there's a succession crisis over this? Yeah. <laughs> so this woman just claims to be the queen and starts, like, fighting it? That would be amazing. God. We we have, you know, there's some things in our future that we can be uh, optimistic about. And this is one of them. Thank you, Vienna. I don't know about optimism. It's kind of weird. <laughs> like... So Lux, I mean, here's the thing is it always devolves into anti-Semitism or something fucked up. Always. But like, if it just stays at the level of like, I am an additional monarchy and they fight with the actual British monarchy, it'll be amazing and appreciative. But of course, there's probably going to be other aspects of it which are gross and get out of hand. But yeah, as is with most conspiracies. On that note, with Ezra... He he wants to focus on uh, several stories this week involving the lockdowns. And of course, the lockdowns have are starting to open up again. And they were going to be opening up in the near future of when Ezra did this episode. But uh, of course, he wants to fearmonger about this stuff. He mainly is complaining about the fact that Ontario is still in a lockdown when he was uh, airing these episodes. But for example, Texas was not. Uh, I don't know why that is the most apt comparison. But he also like focuses on the fact that Texas had had a single day where they recorded no deaths on that day and is, claims then, therefore, like the pandemic is over in Texas. Texas, which, as you know, is uh, the second largest state in the union, actually has days where not a single person passes away from the virus. They are so over it. Whereas Toronto, Canada's largest city, well, according to the British Broadcasting Corporation, it is the most locked down city in the world. Even though it's like it was an anomaly, you know, like they recorded one day where there was no deaths, but then like immediately the next day there was like 10 or 20 deaths, which is like pretty close to what's happening in Ontario right now. So it's not like, I don't know. Maybe the issue is not Ontario locking down, but the fact that Texas is open when they probably shouldn't be. Yeah. But this gets into his head again, that the lockdowns will never end. And I just want to reiterate that uh, they opened a few... <laughs> they started uh, easing some of the restrictions a few days after they uh, uh, were recording that week. So what are you going to do? Ezra returns to this story that we covered last week, which is that the BBC reported on Toronto having the longest lockdowns. And back then, he uh, basically said that the BBC was saying that Toronto had uh, not just the longest, but uh, uh, 
the biggest, uh, the most like impactful lockdowns. They were so huge. And now he's going to this idea that it's the worst lockdowns ever, which again, it's like he's using this story that appeared in the BBC to propagandize this idea that it was much more harmful than what the actual BBC story was saying. Because all the BBC story was saying was not that Toronto is like devastated by these lockdowns, but that they're, they've they lasted the longest, temporally. <laughs> mm-hmm. But then they also admitted in the article that that's not a good comparison because other people have had more restrictive lockdowns or lockdown in different ways, right? Yeah, because like we didn't ever have a curfew in Ontario. But Ezra now wants to say that the BBC says Toronto has the worst lockdowns and they're going to last forever. And then he says something that's really insensitive, I think. <laughs> he describes Toronto as a slum. I'm here in Toronto, and of course, it's slightly different in different provinces and cities. I think that Toronto being, I would say, the worst lockdown in, I mean, that's what the BBC says. I think there are people and institutions and businesses that if this lockdown goes for yet another cycle, another quarter, another season, I think you're going to see the Detroitification of Toronto. I'm not saying it's going to be over like that. But you're going to see more and more people and companies and families just saying, we're going to leave this crazy place for a more sane place, whether that's America or another province. Because I think there's only so long you can justify living in an expensive, crowded, trafficy, drug-infested, you know, crime-ridden city if you don't have the pluses of the city, the pluses of the city, the restaurants, the shops, the theaters, mm-hmm. the the action, the being able to socialize. I mean, it's one thing to be in a prison, but why would you be in the most expensive, slummiest prison in the country? I think Ezra here is kind of, is using like, you know, talking around the subject of Toronto being the least white city in Canada as well, by like calling it a slum is like instantly I don't know, like, it's one step above, I guess, calling it a ghetto type of thing, where it's like, hmm, I wonder why Ezra thinks this way. Yeah, it feels racially tinged, but, I mean, it's also just, Toronto's pretty good, actually. (laughs) I don't know, like, you compare it to other cities? Like, I don't know what he's comparing it to. Compared to other cities, uh, it it has similar problems as other cities, but it's, it's not worse than them, you know? It's kind of more worth living in during lockdown because all of the rents co- like went way down, and I don't think that happened anywhere else. Yeah. <laughs> if anything, it's gotten better to live in. All the like wealthy white people left. I mean, he made an argument months ago, which was that like the parks are all full of people who are shooting up, and therefore there's no place to like come down from your apartment building during lockdown to go for a walk in the park because there's just people doing drugs everywhere. And frankly, like that's not true. But even if like part of what he's saying is true, you can walk while someone's shooting heroin. It's not like if someone's shooting heroin on the street that somehow that makes you incapable of walking, you know? I don't... <laughs> don't know why this is and then another way to like fix that is have like more uh clean needle exchange areas or or things like this uh, or places where people can go where they're uh safe and protected you know overdose prevention sites save lives and also stop there from being needles on the ground so win on both ends so ezra you should really get on your support of that yeah that's not gonna happen (laughs) 
No. Ezra then wants to focus on, you know, a good old Canadian pastime, so he wants to talk about hockey. And for those who are uh, Canadian and probably know this already, there was a playoff game between the Toronto Maple Leafs and Montreal Canadiens, a good old rivalry going on there, and like always, the Maple Leafs uh, botched it and lost in Game (laughs) 7. Hell yeah. That being said, Ezra is upset by the fact that 550 frontline health workers who were fully vaccinated were allowed to attend Game 7 in Toronto. There was an NHL game in Toronto last night. I didn't check, but obviously Toronto lost. Um, There was a twist, though. The Premier, Doug Ford, in an act of beneficence, he announced that several hundred frontline health workers will be allowed to watch the game in person. We have such a benevolent leader. He's so kind to us. Well, not to us. And Ezra describes this as evidence of our vaccine passport future. But now you have a vaccine passport exclusive sports event in Toronto. There might be some evidence to that if you want to say, look, this is the government saying have your vaccine and we're going to open things up to you. But I took what happened here more to be a sort of like gift to the frontline health workers who are working hard during this pandemic to save lives. And it was more of like that kind of gesture. Yeah, it's like, hey, uh, we're not going to increase your pay or like make it so that you (laughs) don't have to work 16 hour shifts anymore. But we're going to throw you a pizza party where you get to go see some hockey played. Yeah, it is. (laughs) That is the perfect way of phrasing it. But like, I mean, it's something sure. But like, you're right. We should be paying them a lot more and like other stuff. But still not a vaccine passport, really. No. Yeah. Like it's a shitty company pizza party. It's not... (laughs) It's not a like <laughs> It's not a COVID camp situation. <laughs> like <Yeah. laughs> That was the secret. Get everyone vaccinated, they get them all in the, the same building. COVID camp. You're all now are are vaccin or now it's like vaccine camps where all the vac- vaccinated go. <laughs> yeah, the safe zones, the safe spaces, you know? But Ezra, of course, he fixates on one case, which I agree is like semi-shitty maybe like i don't know all the details but apparently there was a ceo of a hospital who was one of the 550 that attended the game and you know like yeah fuck fuck ceos let's get the uh the frontline people in the game like if we're gonna throw a pizza party it's not fair if the boss also gets to throw himself a pizza party you know <laughs> pizza party for the people only yeah <laughs> No, I don't know all the details. Like, frankly, it's like, yeah, sure. But this is, of course, his own, like, faux populist rage. Like, I don't think, at the end of the day, he really just wants the managers to have pizza parties all to to himself. He's just mad in this case because of vaccines somehow. Yeah. The other thing that he he wants to uh, concern Troll about is this... The, the fact that these professionals get to play their game and all these kids groups, they can't play. I just think your kids should be allowed to play hockey too. And you should be able to watch too. And you should be able to go to work. Unlike that doctor who says workers have to stay home, but I'm going to party. And there's several issues that go into this that I, I'm sympathetic towards, which is that I don't think that hockey is a necessity. And like, if I were the one in control of the world, I know maybe some of our audience will be upset with this, but like, I don't know, global pandemic, having a bunch of sweaty old men like skating around each other isn't necessary uh, for the protection of society. 
And if they go back to their communities and order food and all this stuff and contribute to spread, like maybe it's just best not to have hockey. But that being said, the kids, the kid issue is a bit complicated because we don't have vaccines for them yet. Mm -hmm. They can still serve as uh, vectors. My guess is they don't have the funding uh, to do things like have masks available, uh, sanitizers, have the arena in such a way that it prevents as much spread as possible, where I'm guessing that the NHL has a lot more money to protect their workers in this case. Just a guess, yeah. Just like, and you've, I mean, they haven't been particularly protecting their workers. You've seen that kind of like throughout all of the sports things that have reopened where there's just been like mass spread amongst players uh like it especially went through the nba i think especially near the beginning yeah but i feel like there was a couple with like the nhl and stuff as well where it's just like yeah like you're putting people who are breathing heavily all together and who are used to like kind of partying all the time they're gonna give each other covid like that why why did we need to do this yeah I think the real option for this would have been to invent new one-on-one sports so they could have done (laughs) testing on everybody and then had like one-on-one hockey or one-on-one basketball. (laughs) This would have been the perfect opportunity to like just test out some new and weird shit, but they didn't because they're lazy. That's it. You nailed it. (laughs) Yeah. No, what it is, it's not laziness. It's like an inherent conservatism in their inability to want to change and try new things. Yep, because capitalism is not innovative. We, You know, we nailed the analysis on that one. <laughs> yeah, I think we did. I think we were pretty good. He then, of course, wants to talk. So now we're done with Ontario. He's going to move on to Alberta. And he's mad. Uh, so I, you're probably, I think pretty much everyone is aware of this one, too. Uh, uh, Kenny was found... The, the premier of Alberta was found eating in what was called the Sky Palace. God. Which was some sort of like patio attached to this building, just amazingly named the Sky Palace. Yeah. And of course, like terrible optics, all that fun stuff. But uh, Ezra then reflects on this and says that he thinks Notley's going to win again. And then for the first time, I feel since we've been covering this show, Ezra laments that Kenny and him used to be friends. I haven't heard, I knew that they were friends. I just hadn't heard him actually say that on the show since we've started listening in 2019. And he basically talks as if it's the lockdown that has torn them apart. (laughs) Poor Ezra. Losing friends because of a global pandemic. And he compares them to Doug Ford and asks the same question, which is like, what, is, what has happened to these people? They used to be such conservatives. And like the whole time, like him asking this question, I'm like, I don't know, maybe like, yeah, they're, they're terrible. They're, they're terrible people to us, but like perfect friends for you. The only difference is they also happen to believe that the disease is real where you don't. Maybe that's what happened. <laughs> yeah. And it's like frustrating because it's like... It's weird knowing that, like, to to a certain extent, although I feel like he's tarnished uh, this in other ways, Doug Ford benefits from the fact that he happens to be a conservative that, for some reason on this issue, actually understands that this virus is real. Which I guess, you know, in light of other conservative leaders around the world, kudos. <laughs> My, the one kudos you could give. It's a weird thing with that, where it's like... 
hmm, I hate Doug Ford. And, like, I don't really know, like, how to analyze that situation where it's, like, (laughs) you know, like, is it that Canadian conservatives, like, care more about state intervention? Or is it, like, you know, like, what is the, like, ideological factor behind it? Because it's, like, it's not competency. They're, like, you know, they're still unable to, like, effectively do anything, I think it's the aging demographic for a lot of the, like, I guess, leaders within the Conservative Party. Like, I don't know. It affects them more directly to a certain extent. And I think a lot of the old people that vote Conservative, this virus disproportionately affected them, you know? But not really, right? Like, it affected people in long-term care, which isn't rich people, which isn't, like their main voter base. And if that were true, then Ron DeSantis would be so pro, like, lockdown yeah. because <laughs> Florida's fair, fair. ancient. Like, <laughs> you know, it's hard, even, like, just, I don't know if you want to psychoanalyze Doug and say, like, maybe he just understands at least medical science and the fact that, like, he just lost a brother to cancer and, like, other stuff, right? I don't know. Eh, you know, I don't know about that one. Well, I'm just trying to, like, like you don't know. Maybe there's just an element of, like, he's a complete dick in every other capacity. He just is, like, had some experience at a hospital seeing someone die. And maybe that's just the one thing that, like, when it comes to actually helping or at least considering that this is real and could kill people, he actually, like, was like, yeah, it is real. Like, I've, I've seen this stuff, you know? I don't know. We'll never be able to get inside of Doug Ford's brain to really <laughs> answer this question. I think it's less about Ford as an individual, though, and more about, like, you know, Canadian conservatism, like, in the mainstream sense, where it's, like, I guess, like, they don't want to go the Trump route for the most part. Like, they don't want to go directly, like, weirdo populist but, like, even, like, with O'Toole, with, like, as shitty as the prairie provinces have done, they're still, like, in a lot of ways better than a lot of the U.S. and, like, Britain, even. But I guess, like, Britain kind of did do lockdowns, did do vaccines, like, those sorts of things. So There is a tension that exists, though, within Canadian conservatism. I mean, it's not like every conservative in this country has been supportive of what of the lockdowns or what the government or like the conservative premiers have been doing. Right. Yeah. So it's to me, the the reason why I made it more about like the individual des- decisions of these leaders was just like, they made, whether they made a just like feelings decision or they made some sort of calculus it's unclear to me because it's not sure that if it was a calculated thing that it would have benefited them. Cause I'm sure they could have gone the Trump war like route and maybe it would have helped them in some way. I don't know. Like electorally speaking in terms of their base. Yeah. But I don't know. I think like there's a tension between a sort of like American style conservatism and then like a more British style conservatism in Canadian politics. Yeah. That, like, is playing itself out right now. And that, like, the British tend to be the dominant trend and then the American copycats are, like, generally, like, the smaller, more radical factions. And it just, like, kind of keeps splitting and reforming along 
the like absolutely batshit conservatives and the just like regular shitty human being conservatives. I don't know. It's just like it's interesting to like think about, I guess, and try to like figure out what those tensions are. My guess is there's a lot of uh, political science and psychology papers being written on this right now that I have not been reading. Yeah, but I don't want to read those. I don't know. Some of them might be good. I don't. I don't want to denigrate the entire field, you know. Yeah, not denigrate the field, but that doesn't mean I want to read them. <laughs> so then we have guest uh, uh, Gordon Chang is on, and his his conversations I always like. I just can't stand them, and part of that is because he just spits out a bunch of information on China, which is like feelings base which i have like no sense of like establishing like it's it's always like that the chinese government is like doing x because they want to have control and power over here and stuff like this and like uh, yeah i don't know sure maybe <laughs> but like I, I doubt it and again gordon chang for those who don't know he's always on the rebel but he's most famously uh known for writing a book called the coming collapse of china back in 2001 and uh it so far has not collapsed yet so Uh, I guess you can let that uh, (laughs) affect your assessment to to what extent you want to think of Gordon Chang as an excellent talking head on these uh, subjects. But he's on this week to now say that the weight of the evidence points to a lab leak. Yes, the the national conversation has changed so much in the last couple weeks. And, uh, you know, it's really hard to say why. But I think that just the weight of evidence now points to a lab leak. And we'll get into a bit more of that like later. But you can tell like all these people in this sphere of uh, discussion on the far right are all leaning heavily towards this lab leak hypothesis. And we'll we'll assess that in a second. But in particular, because Gordon Chang doesn't back it up. So we don't <laughs> we don't do assess what Gordon Chang has to say about it, because he literally just says that the weight of evidence points to the lab leak. Hmm. Ezra then praises Taiwan for doing a better job at fighting COVID. Better than who? Better than anyone. But, and like, there's some truth to that in that they really had low, uh, in fact, until this past May, they've they've had like consistently low levels of COVID throughout this whole thing. Uh, It started to like spike recently and they like were begging uh, well, at least there was tons of articles written in terms of like them begging America for more vaccines before things quickly get out of hand. Uh, but already the numbers are starting to go down. So I don't know if that's the result of an influx of vaccines or not. But anyways, that's that's sort of that is happening at the same time that Ezra is saying praising Taiwan at his show, which is kind of interesting. But the other part that's interesting to me is that Taiwan, like. In order to praise Taiwan for doing good at fighting COVID, you got to ask yourself, well, what are they doing to fight COVID that is so worth praising? Yeah. And it's all the shit that Ezra on this show has been criticizing. Lockdowns, mask wearing, social distancing, (laughs) vaccines. Like, these are all the things that Taiwan implemented. So it's like, if you want to praise them for doing better at fighting COVID, they did the things that we're doing. But better. <laughs> and, it, and it's clear to me, the only reason that he is doing this is because there's a conflict between Taiwan and China. And Ezra is using, like, Taiwan is good 
to like use as a cudgel against his China bad narrative. And that is that is essentially all that's going on in this discussion. Damn, you mean they both did lockdowns and they both handled COVID pretty well? But one is an American ally, so gotta be the good one. That is like, like yeah, again, we're we're doing we did variations of the thing, just not as well as they did. Yeah. It's amazing. Now we get into the big the big story, right? It, the right wing just went absolutely bonkers. They were like going all like this is code red. We have the Fauci emails. So for those of you who are uh, pleasantly ignorant to all that goes on in the world, Dr. Fauci, who was uh, sort of leading the Americans, uh, I guess, process of dealing with the, the COVID virus, emails from the beginning of the pandemic leaked. So emails that he had with other, uh, other scientists in other countries, but also internally within the United States. The interesting thing is, so Ezra flags that right at the beginning of the top of the show, and he's like, we're going to talk about the Fauci emails. They're so important. This is so scandalous, right? This is how it's framed. Hello, my friends. I'm going to take you through a a few of those emails that were released from Anthony Fauci. He's the public health guru in the United States. Very curious. But then he starts talking about this thing called gain-of-function research. So he's not, he, he doesn't initially talk about the emails. And especially about this concept called gain of function. Have you ever heard that phrase before? It's very new to me. It means to weaponize viruses on purpose. And I want to talk about that and use these these uh, emails as a backdrop for that. Some scientists in other countries have been researching viruses by adding certain components to them that make them either more infectious or make them able to infect mice and like things like this so that they can then study the effects of the virus on other animals. And so this research is being done and it has come under some controversy in that other people in the scientific domain worry about some of these viruses being created, leaking out into the world. Okay. Mm -hmm. And you can tell Ezra is focusing on this because he wants to make some sort of claim that the research that was going on at the Wuhan Virology Lab was gain-of-function research, and they therefore created the coronavirus, and it leaked out into the world. That's, That's kind of what he wants to hint. But we haven't gotten that full picture yet. He's just talking about how China is weaponizing viruses on purpose using gain-of-function research, but doesn't tell us anything else beyond that. Ezra then describes Fauci. <laughs> so you can tell he's avoiding the emails. <laughs> we're getting we're getting a lot of scattershot detail here as he's going into this like narrative, right? So he describes Fauci as an obscure bureaucrat. You know who Dr. Anthony Fauci is, right? Well, you can't really avoid him. A year and a half ago, he was an obscure bureaucrat like most of the medical, industrial complex, the public health side of things, but he became famous because of the virus. But this is also incorrect, uh, especially in terms of the fact that uh, Fauci played an, uh, an integral role in the development of treatments for HIV and was very known to the public. He was protested by the uh, gay community for n- not moving as fast and allowing some of these medications to go forward. And then was sort of like, vindi- like others praised him when he eventually pulled some strings and was able to, to get that done so people could have access to those drugs. And so he, he has been a historical feature 
of the American medical communi- like community and publicly for years. Mm-hmm. But of course, Ezra never cared about HIV or this whole issue, obviously. Yeah. So Ezra then says that Fauci lied <laughs> by saying that it's likely a natural virus, but then said he's not convinced it wasn't created. So again, this has nothing to do with the emails. This is something that Fauci has said publicly. Yeah. <laughs> and I agree. It's kind of like, I don't know. I, don't, I wouldn't say that he lied. It's just that these two things aren't mutually exclusive, right? If you say something is likely a natural virus, but you're not convinced it wasn't created, what you're saying is it could be created. I don't know. I'm not convinced it wasn't, but it's likely a natural virus. And these two things are not contradictory. (laughs) I wish Fauci would say it's not likely that it was created because most scientists, from what I understand, do not think that it was created. They think it is very, very highly unlikely that it was created in a lab. So then Ezra avoids all of this, all the emails again by playing a clip of Rand Paul arguing with Dr. Fauci claiming that this gain-of-function research that's going on in China is juicing up the viruses. Dr. Fauci, we don't know whether the pandemic started in a lab in Wuhan or evolved naturally, but we should want to know. Three million people have died from this pandemic, and that should cause us to explore all possibilities. Instead, government authorities, self-interested in continuing gain-of-function research, say there's nothing to see here. Gain-of-function research, as you know, is juicing up naturally occurring animal viruses to infect humans. There's absolutely no evidence that this research is uh, being done at this lab or played any role in the spread of this virus, if it even was being conducted. So the argument seems to be, according to Rand Paul and other government officials, and that Ezra reiterates on his show, is that the U.S. government gave grant money to the virology lab in Wuhan to study coronaviruses. And this occurred after the SARS outbreak. So the government had a stake in wanting to do something about coronaviruses because SARS is a coronavirus. Yeah. But somehow, even though the funding resulted in peer-reviewed published work, that somehow the Chinese, the evil Chinese government took a part of that grant money and then used it to study gain-of-function research instead even though we have no evidence that they did this. <laughs> okay. And then from doing that, it leaked and uh, killed all the world. So, one, how do they think government funding works in China? That is a whole other country, and it's the second biggest economy in the world. I'm sure they could have used their own money? Second, when did SARS happen? Whose presidency was that under? So, like, George W. Bush gave a grant to a virology lab in China to study SARS. And that money was not kept track of at all. They didn't look at what, where that grant money went. And they made COVID out of that somehow, is what we're supposed to believe. And... You know, they were researching SARS, which was so much more deadly than COVID, and they made it less deadly? SARS is more deadly in terms of if you get it, the chances of you dying are higher, but it ha- it's less likely to spread. Like, the, the issue with COVID was that it was a good spreader, but 
You would think, as you're pointing out, if they really wanted to create this, they could have done it such that it had the same effect that SARS had in killing people. They just added the ability for it to spread more. I don't know, like even in terms of like bioweapon research, like taking that kind of shit at face value, what benefit is a global pandemic? Like who, how, how is that helping anybody? You know, something like SARS, where it's, like, hyper-deadly and doesn't spread super well, but, you know, you drop that in one city or something, and it'll, like, kill a bunch of people there and cause a bunch of bullshit. That's feasible in terms of, like, yeah, maybe that's a decent bioweapon. Why would anybody be like, hmm, you know what we're gonna do? We're gonna, like, fuck up the world for no reason. We're going to exacerbate tensions between us and the largest global military power. Just for fun, you know? Like, we're just going to see what happens. Huh? I mean, I guess in their conspiratorial mind, it devastated the American economy. And that was, like, the purpose. That's that's usually their go-to example of, like, why the Chinese did this. That being said, like... The whole bioweapon idea and the idea that this would be created and released purposefully is the most ridiculous because, again, viruses affect everyone. It's not like it like it did affect China, if all this is to be believed, right? It's not like China has perfectly defeated this thing. Their borders are going to remain open if they want to have an economy themselves. And so the virus is constantly going to be coming in and it's all about mitigating and vaccines and all that fun stuff. Yeah. So it's like this had an effect on them just as it had on the rest of the world. So why would any country in their right mind do this at all? Which it just plays into this neighbor like narrative that they think China is like the greatest evil of all time, right? Yeah. But then the further level, like even if even if you want to assess this and go they were doing gain of function research for no, like noble purposes in like vaccine research and stuff like this. The I like what at least from my understanding of reading the research currently, and this is what's so frustrating about the lab leak hypothesis generally, is that everyone is talking about the lab leak right now, even though there's been no additional evidence. Why are we talking about it now when there's no additional evidence that suggests that it actually was uh, created and then released in this laboratory? Ah, uh, because now we have a Democrat in office, and now we it won't be racist. There won't be a massive increase in anti-Asian hate crimes, of course. That is definitely part of, of it, I think, or at least the reasoning that some people give. I think part of it, too, is, as we discussed last week as well, which is the frustration among people of not having an answer yet. Mm-hmm. And so I think a lot of that is happening, but... At the end of the day, all the evidence points in the direction of it going from a bat to a likely intermediary species like a pangolin and then into humans before it started spreading amongst humans. Almost all the evidence that still exists, even now, points to that hypothesis. It's just that we haven't confirmed it. Which means that as a good scientist... If you ask most scientists, they're not going to lie to you and say 100% it didn't come from the laboratory. They're going to say, it's possible. But yeah, it's possible that like, 
I don't know, a, a person like ate a bat and then like sneezed in someone's face or something. Like <laughs> anything's possible. Sure, you know. It's possible that aliens were just like playing around with some viruses that they found and they just dropped it out of the sky. Yes, exactly. Yeah, it's just kind of like at what point I don't know, like why why bring this back up, guys? Like you really fucked up with that one. And now we get to deal with the fact that these assholes get to do like a victory lap. But I will say, have you noticed as well, like when we record like when this uh episode on their show aired Talking about the lab leak was all the rage. But even now, it feels like it's gone away a bit. Like, not that many people are talking about it anymore. Mm -hmm. Because, again, there's no evidence. There's no new evidence to discuss. <laughs> there's nothing. It's just a maybe. And so that's, that's where it is. Now, you might be wondering, not once did I mention the emails. <coughs> and Ezra finally gets to it. And he brings up there is a single email in the, the leaked emails where Dr. Fauci is speaking friendly to one of the Chinese scientists who works at the Wuhan lab. It's this one between George Gao. He's the head of China's version of the Centers for Disease Control. He's China's guy. And apparently he was on very friendly terms with Anthony Fauci. And Gao writes to Fauci, and Fauci writes back very friendly, let's work together to get the virus out of the earth. Okay. And Fauci writes back, George, thanks for the note. I understand completely. No problem. We will get through this together. Best regards, Tony. Okay, so you've got the absolute boss for disease control in China writing you a personal note. And you don't have any questions for him. Where did it come from? Can we talk? You have, you're not curious at all. And we're going to get through this together. We're on your side. Really? That's it. That's all Ezra has in this treasure trove of fucking documents that everyone was shitting their pants over, saying this was going to be the evidence to show how terrible Fauci is. The one thing that Ezra has to say that's bad in these emails is a friendly fucking letter between Fauci and a Chinese scientist. <sighs> <laughs> and because of all this, Ezra ends the whole segment by saying, I think he's being unpersoned, and I'm only half kidding when I say there's a chance he'll be Jeffrey Epstein over it. Jeffrey Epstein um, was in the middle of such scandals that global leaders, billionaires like Bill Gates, his good friend, uh, would have had an enormous interest in him not testifying. I don't think there's that sexual element with uh, Anthony Fauci. I think there's something far more grave. The nature of the pandemic and the culpability of that Wuhan Institute for Virology. Yeah, it would not shock me if Anthony Fauci was Jeffrey Epstein. And I know that sounds like a conspiracy theory. It's not a theory. I'm just telling you it wouldn't surprise me if given what's come out about his um, warnings he received about the Wuhan virus and given his role in funding gain-of-function research wouldn't surprise me if Anthony Fauci did not live up the year. So, and why? Why did he have to associate Dr. Fauci with a child, like a pedophilic asshole? Why? I don't know. It's fucked up. So, that was not the end of the week. We, we get a fun closer with Ben Weingarten. And... 
Ben Weingarten is a trash human being that always says really shitty, disgusting things on Ezra's show. He again wrote the book American Ingrate, which was about Ilhan Omar being like married to her brother or something, in which there is absolutely no evidence for as well. And the only reason I want to talk about this is because he says some really, I guess, revealing things about the conservative mindset. And so he begins by saying he wants reparations from China, saying that they're responsible for coronavirus, buying into this whole lab leak shit. Ezra then says that China is a superpower, is super powerful, and is crushing the West. So again, it's this whole fear monger that like super masculine China is going to be destroying the weak and effeminate West. And then Ben responds to Ezra by saying, these are, these are strategically oriented nations, regimes that are much longer term oriented than we are, that are willing to deal with substantially more sacrifice than we are. And also that understand us, we better than, better than we understand them. Mm -hmm. So they're able to take advantage of our avarice, our self-interest, our short-term thinking. And then you add onto it the signs of decay and decadence and lack of moral clarity or really even belief that we ought to survive in any traditional sense as Western civilization that's inherent in this wokeness that we see. And you have a sick Western world right now. And of course, our adversaries are going to take advantage of that. Now, what what does that remind you of? Just like racism imperialism like it's like oh those easterners are collective and the west is individual and like other bullshit did you mean something else because that's what i was thinking the whole time well yeah i mean these go hand in hand but it feels very uh nazi adjacent with this idea of like decadence and that, like, Western societies are, like, decaying to the decadence, and that makes us, like, weak to these uh, invading Easterners. It has a very uh, Nazi-ish tinge, if I have to say so myself. Yeah, I can see that as well. Like, it's all ties together. Yeah, <laughs> that's the thing. Is it's, it's not too uh, different than just being an out-and-out racist generally. But it's like, I don't know, some of the language choice feels like it has a lineage to it and that's that's the part that like worries me more than just like uh your run-of-the-mill racist you know ben ben strikes me as someone who clearly has has drinking a lot more of the kool-aid you know like i'm surprised that there was no mention of cultural marxism or anything ben is one of the ones who frequently mentions cultural marxism on the show so yeah so it's just kind of like you know, the direct parallels between that and Judeo-Bolshevism and other stuff like that. And then, you know, connecting that to Chinese quote-unquote communism as well, where it's just like they are all, like that's a very easy to distinguish lineage with Nazi language. Yep. And Ezra had him on the show. Firstly, like, given what happened in London a week and a half ago now, um, almost two weeks ago, support your local Muslims. Like, just, there's been a lot of cases of harassment again already. Um, One, I can't remember if it was today or yesterday in Kingston, a number in Calgary again. 
I believe there was one in Edmonton and all since the attack in London. And it's the same thing where these attacks are happening in public and for the most part, people aren't actually standing up for their Muslim neighbors. They're just kind of watching as this harassment happens. So if you see a Muslim getting harassed, intervene, do something, say something, challenge it in any way. And even just like with people in your life, if they say something stupid and bigoted, challenge it, say something, like stand up to it. It's it's the job of like the people who aren't oppressed to help with that as best they can if they're claiming to stand against that oppression. So that, and then also in good news over the past like week and a half or so, Keystone XL got canceled finally. It's done. We're over it. So on to the next pipeline, which is uh, Trans Mountain, I guess the TMX uh, tanker and pipeline project specifically, uh, and the Sail Watooth Nation out in BC, in what is currently unfortunately known as BC, uh, have a fundraising project uh, to challenge and stop the Trans Mountain pipeline from going forward because it is illegally going through their lands. Uh, so if you got some money, please contribute to that. Uh, they're constantly facing kind of legal repression and this is a way of like mitigating that and also like helping, you know, both with legal fees and also just like an encampment costs money. Like, you know, you gotta bring food and you gotta get gas, you gotta get something for uh, heating, for keeping cool, those sorts of things. So yeah, donate to that if you got some funds. And if you have anything left over and you support and enjoy what you've heard so far, please consider giving us a few bucks over on patreon.com slash imperial news. If you want to stay informed about what we're doing, you can also find us on Twitter at imperial news with a Z. We have a private Facebook group called imperial news. We also have a discord set up and we'll be doing Twitch streams every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. You can find all the links to our social media stuff in the show notes. Lastly, you can email us any question at imperial.fake.news at gmail.com. I got a a response to one of our YouTube videos uh, where somebody was denying the effectiveness of the vaccines and ended up actually sending me a long email that I'm not going to respond to. (laughs) But if you have a shorter... uh, less science denial-y question, I would love to get to it. Or even if it's a science denialist question, keep it to, like, a, a sentence so you're not, like, sending me your manifesto. I'm not going <laughs> to respond to a manifesto, all right? <laughs> Special thanks to my friend Mason Tickle for the transition beat. You can find his work at striatom.bandcamp.com as well as Head in a Box found over on Facebook. Thank you for listening. And the Toronto Maple Leafs. Like every year, you are canceled yet again. Nice. You're canceled. Albumia, Albumia, how lovely are your wheat fields.